Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. All right. Hey, guys, um, grab your Bibles with me. We're going to be uh, gonna, in the next uh, few moments here, going to take us through the scriptures and some places that God has uh, on my heart. Uh, the first place you can turn is the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to be talking about a, a man named Elisha for a moment. Uh, I'm going to be using that, though, just to kind of raise a problem that I'm sensing that God wants to us address in the church. And then uh, if you also want to put your finger uh, in the, the very first book, the very first chapter of the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, okay? Uh, it's interesting, God, God's answer, God answers our biggest problems from the beginning. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, as you're turning there, I do uh, want to let you know that I'm going to use the sabbatical uh, wisely and well, and I'm going to come back uh, fired up. Um, the, the leaders aren't sending me out because uh, I, I'm suffering in some way. I'm actually doing really well. Um, but at Providence, we don't want to wait till there is a problem to fix the problem. We want to see him coming. Um, and uh, ministry is really heavy. And so I just want to use these six weeks to come back. So I just, uh, I, I want to be like a fountain to you guys. Uh, and so uh, uh, hopefully I can do that. I just wanted to toss that out there. You good with that? All right. Okay. Not all of you are. Some of you have said to me, wish I could get six weeks off. All right. Uh, I would love to see you do my job for a month. I would love that. So uh, anyway, the, uh, I, I want to tell you this. I opened my Bible this morning, and, uh, and this is a picture that fell out of it. <laughs> and it's a picture, it's a selfie of my, uh, my, my daughter, Grace. And I, this really has nothing to do with my message, except that I felt that since this picture fell out, I, I just, I was wondering, what if you were here today, and you've always believed that God hates you. And you've even put your faith in him. You even, uh, you, you've entrusted your whole heart to Jesus and, and you've asked him to save you, but you still think that he dislikes you in some capacity. I can't imagine what my daughter would think if that's what she thought about me and I'm not Jesus. And I just, I, I just want to challenge the, the preconceived notions that if you are in Christ, God is no longer angry at you. The Father sees you as the righteousness of his son, Jesus. There's a massive transaction that happened at the cross. And actually, what if God looks at you like this? There's my girl keeping her and what is most precious to me right here. What if God sees you like that? I just want to encourage you that he does, all right? So the heart like that, I want us to listen to the scriptures. Okay, we don't, we, you don't get shamed into obedience, you get loved into it. All right, we've got to hear this. Um, so the book of 1 Kings, though, chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, it's a passage of scripture that I've had on my heart for a long time. I don't really know why, so I just thought, hey, the day before my sabbatical, I'm going to toss it out there, see if God uses that. All right, look at this. It says this, 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that would be Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Now, this would be a land that is not the people of Israel. This is not the children of God. This would be a Gentile land. Arise, go to these people, 
who dwell there, and behold, I have commanded a widow. That would be a non-Jewish widow, a Gentile widow. That's really, really important because when Jesus uh, is actually using this passage to confront a religiosity and, and Pharisaicalism when he was walking the planet, Jesus point back to this and said, hey, when there was a famine in the land, I didn't send Elijah, one of my prophets, to a Jewish person. I sent him to a, a, a Gentile widow because I love people, not just ethnicities. Ethnicities. Did I get that? Did I say that right? I don't know. I, I stumbled on it, but I hope you heard that. God loves people. And so uh, God's answer to what is going on here is actually someone that, that's actually not even a part of the family yet. In verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. Now you have to know right now, a uh, uh, a uh, a drought is ravaging the land. There's no food to come by. There's very little water to come by. People are impoverished right now. There's not much. And actually, um, Elijah is coming out of a season where there was a brook of water that God kind of put him by under a tree, and God would send ravens to feed him and, and a brook to water him, but the brook dried up. And God's saying, Elijah, different season. I want to supply your needs in a different way. I'm sending you to a widow in Zarephath. She's, just, she's poorer than you are, but I'm going to use her in your life. That is the context that's going on here. Look at verse 11. And as she was going to bring the water that Elijah asked for, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand too. <laughs> it, it's, it sounds crazy. It, it sounds like it's asking too much, but it's really a setup and it's an invitation from God to, to be the great supplier and the miracle maker that he is. Verse 12, and she said, as the Lord your God lives, she recognizes him as someone who follows, follows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but she doesn't yet. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked but only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Uh, and now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is how bad it was in the land, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah doesn't let that stop him. He's insistent. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. You're operating in fear. You think that God's led you up to this moment and sent me to you in this moment just so you can have a last meal and then die. But Elijah says, I promise you, I promise you that, I promise you, this is not the end of your story. It's the beginning. I brought you to this moment, no matter how desperate it feels in your life right now, I brought you this, to this moment to, to push into the next season, not to commiserate in the season that is being defined for you in a worldly, not heavenly way. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make, make something for yourself and your son. And the story goes on to, uh, to say this, that the woman listened and obeyed. And what happened is God supernaturally supplied all the ingredients that she needed in her home, not by her striving, but by her obedience. And God loves to do that in our lives. But that miracle, I want to highlight this and draw our attention to this. You guys still with me here? All right? Uh, that miracle was on the other side of a very hard obedience. 
And that miracle was on the other side of the lowest, darkest place that probably this widow from Zarephath, we don't even know her name, we don't even know her son's name, was the lowest, darkest place in this family that they have uh, ever, ever been to. And I wanna, I wanna ask you all this morning, have you all ever been at a place where you feel like God is pushing you, you into another season, or at least you hope he is, but the reality is that you are at a place where you really feel like this is probably the end for me. This is, if it's not the death of my life, it's the death of my marriage. If it's not the death of, death of my marriage, it's the death of my dreams. If it's not, if it's not, you fill in the blank, then it's this. But really, when you look into your future, it doesn't look hope-filled. It looks like the end. When you look into your future, you don't see vibrant dreams and creative colors that God is drawing you into. You really see, like, it's just, just that the, the light is dimming. There's nothing really for me. And you may be existing, but you are not living in the future that you are running into. Have you ever been to a place like that? I think that most of us, after we take off the pasted on fake smiles, most of us look into a future that is dim and very few of us have br uh, bright, vibrant, kingdom-colored dreams staring at us from the future. Most of us don't know how to dream anymore, and, I, and I've, been, I've been talking about this and hopefully beating this into our hearts out of love, all right? But most of us don't know how to dream because we don't know how to be children. We know how to be slaves and servants, but slaves and servants often don't dream. They have to have that beaten out of them. Children, on the other hand, have dreams for their futures. And I'm suggesting that no matter how dark your place is in history, dreams from the heart of heaven can be and are in God's heart for your future. For your future. A dreamless future is not how it's always been. In the earth, um, sometimes where your, where your greatest plan ends is where God's greatest dream for you begins. Uh, some, sometimes you may be thinking, okay, here's the last thing that I'm doing. I'm just doing this, and it's so small, so, so, so insignificant, and you think that this is the best, though. I'm actually going to get offended at the request into the miracle because, wait, you can't ask me into that because I'm trying to hold on to this. And something to me feels wrong with that kind of living because that's mostly my experience with people at Target, especially at Walmart, all right, let's be honest, really in Hanover, if you drive out of state a little while, like drive down south to Mississippi, they're a little bit happier. But then you see, in the heartbeat of humans, though, most of us aren't really a dream factory. Most of us are holding on to something small, making excuses why our futures can't look greater, even though Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, who is doing something new in the earth and wants to do something new in us, is surging us into a future that doesn't look as small as we're living. So when God enters your existence, and your existence is defined by brokenness and despair, the enemy would love to say, you have a purposeless future. But when God looks in your direction, and when you're honest about your brokenness and despair, I really think that God says, your despair is gonna be a step for dreams into the future. I think if you talk to the widow, you say, hey, no, 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 
supernaturally. You're, you're, you're just going to have the stuff to make a better future. She said, I, I, you don't understand. I only have this much. I only have enough just for me and my boy, and that's all that matters. And that type of thinking is what's natural and normal in a fallen world. What's natural and normal in a fallen world, in a world that's cursed by sin, in a world that's chosen the lesser instead of the greater, what is natural to that kind of world is to say that it can't be done, and why? No, that can't be done. That can't be done. I've had people, like tw- uh, this, uh, this October is gonna be uh, 12 years at Providence. So I've been at Providence for about 11 and a half years. And for every single day of those 11 and a half years, I've had naysayers telling me what can't be done here. But God speaks a better word from the very beginning over what can't be done. If you're just critiquing, oh, why are you doing it that way? Why are you doing it that way? That can't be done. I remember when we were, when I got back from Haiti a few years ago and malaria was on a rampage in Haiti because mosquitoes were breeding in people's homes because the roofs were leaky. And we said, let's send down some tarps. And there was about 300 people at Providence in those days. And, and somebody had a great idea. And th- th- I'm not knocking this. This is a good idea. Well, let's send down one tarp for every person at Providence. And we said, that can be done. Let's dream about what can't be done. Let's do a thousand tarps for a thousand homes. And we uh, sent down 1,600 tarps. The the church talks about what can be done. And so this is actually a a birthright in some respects. Can you flip to Genesis chapter 1? What the world tries to do is get us to the place where we're like the widow of Zarephath that says, I'm about to die. I'm just going to enjoy my little morsel with my boy before we do so before we call it quits. But that is not how God has wired us from the beginning. In fact, well, I want to read to you Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. This is, we're jumping into the middle of the creation account, the best part of the creation account. You do know that God wasn't created, Jesus wasn't created, the Holy Spirit wasn't created. This is a triune God, three in one. They're not created, they're the creators. And you and I are created knit together and formed in our mother's wombs. And here's what this says. This is Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 26. And it said, then God said, let us make man in our image. Now stop right there for those of you who say, oh, the the Trinity's never talked about in the Bible. What's this Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind of jazz? Well, this is what jazz we're talking about here, friends. This is from the, the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. You see God talking to himself because he is triune. He is community. He is one. Three and one. Oh, I don't understand that. Well, there's a reason for that is you're not God. All right. <laughs> you don't have to understand it for it to be true. You have to believe it because it is. And here, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Do you hear this? Let man, that's you and me. This is just a common word. When it says man, it doesn't just mean males. It means men and women. It's a generic term. Even the word Adam sometimes is used for, uh, for humanity, and it's not being uh, gender specific. Talk to, just learn grammar, and you'll see that. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, that's the people, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So what does this mean? It means, it means males are uh, created in God's image and it means females are created in God's image. It doesn't mean that men are better than women. It doesn't mean that women are better than men. It means that we're both image bearers. It means that God's got purpose for us. And what God wants us to do in this is keep operating in his image. Here's a nice part. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have babies with the covenant partner I've given you. Now it's just whoever you're feeling for the day. Ouch, 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 don't say it, ow, don't say that. <laughs> He's not cramping your style. He's trying to release you into living. And so here God is seeing this. Here's, here's what I want to talk about this, that the pinnacle of all cre creation was humanity. We, humans are more valuable than trees. Humans are more valuable than birds. Humans are more valuable than beaches. These things are great. These things are wonderful. Wow, someone's really agreeing. Uh, they, they, they're wonderful, but the pinnacle of creation is the image bearers, the ones that walk around displaying the greatness of God. Image bearers. Let's talk for a moment about what being created in God's image means. And this is not just a, a few moments in a, in a message. This is, this is we, could do whole, we could talk for the rest of the year on this, but let me give you the basics here. The first thing is, is you'll see this, that God's called image bearers to rule the earth. Rule the earth with God's authority. This means exercise dominion over the earth as, as God's Regents, or as God's representatives, govern the earth and rule it well. God is entrusting it into our hands. Rule the earth. So God, God has placed that. When, when I ask one of my uh, sons, if I ask my son or my daughters to, hey, I, I'm entrusting this to you, son, I want you to mow the lawn. Well, if you didn't mow the lawn, my son can't come back to me. If he didn't mow the lawn, he can't come back to me and say, oh, I was just trusting you to do it because I trust you, Dad. Like, no, I was entrusting you to do it. Get to your room and prepare for your spanking. <laughs> but uh, no, you know what I'm saying. God's saying, hey, the, the earth is yours. Rule it well. And that's, that's part of operating in my image. Here's another thing. Operate in relationship. The same kind of relationship that I operate in amongst myself. So the, the, the model, the truest model for your marriage, for your friendships, for biblical community is not Acts chapter 2. It's the triune God. That's the model for relationship. Is there any backbiting? Is there any subversion to submission in the Trinity? I don't think so. It's just championing of God. Championing of God. One blowing the other up. So operate in relationship with others in a way that magnifies God and mirrors who God is and how he operates. Your marriage, you're all chanting each other, blowing each other up, stepping to the side and say, now you take the floor. 
Ultimately, this is a way to show the world the incredible love of God, the the incredible covenant-keeping love of God, the devotion of God. The, the, The church community is heavenly, and if we can operate as a family, we're we're way ahead of the curve. I'm tired of doing church like business. I just want to have brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents that where we all love each other. Well, the church isn't who can herd people into the most comfortable seats. Church is who can we unleash on the world for the glory of Christ in such a way that they didn't even remember we had seats. Oh, we have seats? I've been out of it so long, changing history that I forgot. That's the kind of church I would like to be a part of. So he says, rule the earth. Operate in relationships that remind the world of me and resemble me. And there's lots of ways that we resemble God and our love for one another and our, and our relationships, like I've been saying, and our ability to think. I know that there's smart dogs out there and dolphins are pretty bright as well. Uh, but humans are a whole other category. We can reason and dream. Morality, language, love, art, dance. It's kingdom of heaven on earth. So God is really saying, hey, I want you to, I've just created this beautiful world, and I want you to keep dreaming of how to keep creating in such a way that makes the whole world see how great I am, God says. As you become more and more like Jesus, the world gets to see more and more through their encounter with you. They get to have an encounter with him. This, sons and daughters, display on the world, displayed on the world to see God. So humans don't just survive, they create. They don't just exist, they manifest beauty with the brilliant minds that has been bestowed on them. For the record, this is where dignity comes from, human dignity. This is where it comes from. This is why you, don't, you never talk to a person like a dog. This is why there's, it doesn't matter the, the tone of your skin. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. If you're a human being, no matter what uh, ailment you may possess or disability you may believe you have, if you're a human, you have value and worth. You don't get value and worth once you become a son or daughter. If you're a human, you have value and worth because you are an image bearer, just not an adopted one yet. This is why we we talk to people like people. And that's why we have a, a, a core conviction here that imperfect people are welcome. God forbid that we wouldn't be a church that operates in the same welcome that Jesus did to us. Yeah, you could come in here smelling like you are, struggling with what you struggle with, wrestling with, with what you wrestle with. Of course, the Father came running to me when I came back down the road. Of course, you can do the same. But the churches make a more stringent requirement, like Pharisees, than the Father does, and that's wrong. Now, what happens, though, is the pinnacle of humanity is people, and God is releasing us to make the world beautiful, just like he started it. But what happens is, is the fall, the entrance of sin, the beauty is cursed, everything is 
backwards. So backwards that we could get to the place like the widow of Zarephath did. I don't see any beauty in my life. I don't see hope or a future coming after me. I don't see goodness of God coming in my direction. I see flour and oil and sticks and death. That's where most of us live in some way or another. The fall comes, entrance of sin comes, curse comes. We take the authority that was given to us and we give it to the deceiver. We say, yeah, you can have this. Take it. Now, it's normal to prefer inferior treasures. That's what's normal. Now, it's normal to say, I don't want to go to church because the game's on. I don't want to go in church because I'm winning at Fortnite. Man, if grown men uh, could act like children in the best way, not the worst way, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like th- there's a time to play, you know? And, and there's a time to play. So th- everything that's, that's inferior, even if it's not bad, it looks superior to he who is the greatest treasure. And the, not just the known universe, but all the, its unknown extremities. And now we are, we are operating in small-mindedness and criticalness. Now we're telling people not what they can do as image bearers, but what they can't do. And then we're spiritualizing that and calling that Christian responsibility instead of what it is. And it's us operating in the curse. It's no no longer normal to dream of creative exploits. It's no longer normal to say, hey, I think, you know what I see in this this, uh, block of stone? A statue that I can make so beautiful that people are reminded of the majesty of the king. That's what, who made, was it Michelangelo that chiseled out David? He, I, when he was asked about that, how would you do that? He said it was always, always there. See, this is how a dreamer talks. It's always there. It's just in our small-mindedness and living under the curse, what became normal to us is what we can't do. What, where we can't go, what became normal to us is I'm going to hold on to my sticks and stones and flour and just enough so I can eat one more meal and die. God's like, I didn't make you for death. I didn't make you for sticks and stones. I didn't make you for this and for this. I made you as an image bearer to add beauty to creation. I I, I made you to be more than this. More than this. Most of the gospel that we hear today is you're bad, Jesus is not, he died so you can go to heaven. And listen, we are bad without Jesus. To the core, that's why we need Jesus. And there is no way to the Father except through Jesus. Christ alone. Faith in him alone. we got to cling to him. But, but salvation is not just get a ticket to heaven and then wait in misery a- a- until the rapture. There's, there's, there's dreams in store that are so glorious for the kids. There's, there's exploits that he wants us to operate in as his co-regents on this earth. And the earth is a dark place now. That's why the light of Jesus is in us to light it up. So what, what's normal for us when we're not operating 
and living the great salvation that we've received is, is to doubt everything that can't be done. Can't do that. What's really on a rampage, too, and this is hidden by South Central Pennsylvania manners, is to doubt the motives of a dreamer. Oh, she's just probably dreaming that because who knows? To complain that no one's doing anything but be unwilling to do anything but complain that no one's doing it. And where despair is common, criticism is common, cynicism is common, and not just common but normalized and spiritualized. And Jesus steps in to the darkness of the world that he creates created to be great, now he steps into this cursed world, and he steps on the scene, and he pays for our redemption. So I want to bring you back to the beginning. I want to give you a new heart. I want to invite you to the great artistry and the great tapestry and the great movement that I started a long time ago, and it's, and it's a mess now, but I actually planned it this way, because I love when light invades darkness. And I love when life invades deadness. I love in the most desperate situations that hope run into those places. I love where it looks like earth actually, I supply heaven. I love that. Love that. And so that's what Jesus has invited us into as his sons and daughters. Into a life where we don't watch the news and complain. But into a life where we turn off the news and we run to the dark places. With the love of the Father... Do you know that the book of Romans, chapter 8, actually says that, that not only people long for the redemption, but the world itself, the, all creation longs for the redemption. Every tree you have in your backyard and every blade of grass is longing to be out from under the curse. All creation cries for redemption, the redemption that God is starting in his sons and daughters. Life not under the curse is the kingdom of God, is the rule of God. And that's what God's calling us into. The book of Joel is pretty amazing. Have you read, ever read that book? You should. You should. The book of Joel. I'm going to use my, my daughter as a bookmark here and I'm going to turn to Isaiah 61 in a second to wrap things up. Ooh. Uh, but the book of Joel says this, chapter 2, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Oh, Really? <laughs> what? Wait, that's in the Bible? Like, that's how I learned in, uh, wow. Oh, that must just be Old Testament. But you flip to the New Testament and you see that the Apostle Peter quotes this after the Spirit is poured out. Wait, wait, what, what is this? That we just don't commiserate about what's happening in the world? We dream dreams? We see visions? Dreams and visions are not, are not symbols of spirituality. They don't make anybody more or less important. If you don't see them, you're still a son or daughter. If you do see them, you're still a son or daughter. You're not, you're not put to places because you, 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 you dreamt something wild. You have a great thought or idea. What, what dreams and visions are, are they are their answers to life's worst problems under the banner of the kingdom. That's what a dream is. You know, that it's, it's defined, even by business people today, it's defined that in order to have a great vision, you've got to have a horrible problem. So the, the bigger the problem, the greater the vision, if the vision is, in fact, an answer to the problem that it's trying to attack. And here we have the redemption story. 
Sons and daughters being brought back into the kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, through the outpouring of the Spirit, supplying everything that we need. So dream again. So dream again. So dream again. This is what I felt the Spirit screaming in my ears for a while now. Just, we need to dream again. We need to stop saying no for God and ask God to do crazy things in our day. Where we see despair, we're not going to commiserate. We're going to dream. What would a world look like if we ended poverty? What would our region look like? If we, if, we, if we ended something horrible that the enemy is trying to, to attach us to like an anchor to our small existence. It's the church, it's the church unleashed. Yes. 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 Oh, I don't want to say my dream because it sounds too crazy, but dreams are crazy. You believe that Jesus was conceived from a virgin and you're afraid to share your dream? Come on, what? Wow, it's crazy. I, I almost thought I wanted to go to my neighbor and encourage them. Whoa, you radical. Like, easy, easy, easy. Crazy is just what's normal for a Christian. <laughs> it's just what's normal for a Christian. I, I, you know what the kind of church I, I dream about being is I dream about being the kind of church that is family, I dream about being the kind of church that has standing room only. I dream about being the kind of church that, that everybody's so hungry, they don't care if, that we got cheap seats. I, I get so tired of saying, oh, you gotta go to that church. Their seats are awesome. Oh, oh I don't plan on really sitting in them, you see. <laughs> I wanna be catapulted from them. Are they good as a catapult? Oh, man, that's my church. Oh, wow. That's the kind of church I dream about. I, I, I dream about just being a part of a church where one of the truest things about us, like down to our core, is just that we're hungry. Just that we're hungry. And like hungry children, we go to dad like this. Come on, God. Come on, God. Something more to give me that I can pour out today. So another drink that will create a river this week at my work. That's, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's kind of, I want to be uh, a, a part of, of a church that uh, always has parking issues. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I see us being there. At our, at our new place on the hill, we're going to have two entrances, and I, I hope that makes the cops' head spin. Like, well, they got all, everybody out. Everyone's getting overtime and getting rich because of Providence parking issues. That's what I hope. I hope the police force loves us, loves us. They're like, come on, Providence. This way and that way. I don't know the cops so well that I can speed at will and they're like, just go, pastor. Come on, man, just go. Yeah, yeah, I'm on mission. Okay, you go, boy. That's right. That's the kind of church I wanna be, I wanna be a part of a church that there's always lines that check in. And the, the, the reason isn't because I have dreams of being some monstrous mega church where I get to be the great puha but because we're impacting the world so much that sons and daughters are coming in masses, coming home. With tomorrow's not promise, we better make today count. That's the kind of church I wanna be a part of. I, I wanna be a part of, of, of a church that's refreshingly strange to the world. Refreshingly strange to the world. 
not refreshingly shameful, but refreshingly strange. Here's what I mean by that. That I want to be the kind of person, I want to be offering the kind of family that what is refreshingly strange about us is our love when we're shamed. Man, they, the teacher spanked the wrong kid and the wrong kid's parents. Hug the teacher. I would have been going to court. Well, that's because you're from this earth. And I'm an alien here. Nice to meet you, you know. <laughs> uh, I want to be the, the kind of church that our joy is refle- refreshingly cha- uh, strange. Oh, I lost my job today, so I decided to do somersaults in the aisles. Oh, but you should be crying. You should be getting a whole cluster of commiserators playing a dirge for you. Well, that's how they do it in the world, but like, I'm, I'm literally just passing through here. My heart totally belongs to a whole different kingdom, and in the kingdom of King Jesus, when I lose a job, I just know a better one's coming, and so I'm just going to get up and dance. That, oh, how do you have joy like that? Listen, the source of my joy is not the job I lost. The source of my joy is the God who lost his life for me and then was raised again and is breathing his life back into me. That's, that's why, that's the kind of church I wanna be a part of. I wanna be a part of a church that has a refreshingly strange treasure. Treasure. The kind of church that walks through a field and stumbles on a treasure named Jesus, gets their hearts captured, and then whistles a joyous tune going back to sell everything that they own so they can have him. And they hold him up as their prized possession for the world to see. And they say, that's so strange, because that's what I did to my car. It's a cool car. I get that. It's just way worse. It's not in the same, you know, universe. Jesus. Jesus. He's my new treasure. He's my, this is what Christianity is. It's not asking Jesus into your heart, waiting like a critic until heaven. It's getting a new treasure and getting a heart changed. Do you know that up on the land that we've got, these are some unofficial dreams I'm gonna spout at you in the next 30 seconds. Uh, the, the elders haven't signed off on this stuff, so these aren't promises, okay? These are just, just, these are just my dreams. But I want to have houses of refuge on the, on the land, houses for hopeless people in a bad situation where they believe that all I've got is this. I'm just going to eat this and die. We say, no, 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 not on our watch. Houses of hope on our land for you. And we give people a fresh start. And not only do we give them a fresh start, but we give them dignity by giving them a job. I'd like to have a wedding venue that's just, that people drive from states away to come to because of its, of its insane beauty and how well it's run. And we give people a job who maybe lost their marriage. They help people get married. I'd like to do that. I'd like the wedding venue to be surrounded by, by acres and acres and acres of flower that we would, flowers, not flower. <laughs> All right? Yeah, the widow of Zarephath has flower, but we have flowers, Yeah. Adding acres of flowers that we, we sell for a profit that funds the jobs we give to the hopeless. That, I, I'd like to see that. Remember, this is, this is, I, I'm just dreaming. I'd, I'd like to have those commercial gardens, but I'd also love to have community gardens where you don't have to be a part of Providence to come and pull weeds. But you can just come pull weeds and we can, we can grow things together. 
whether it's organic or not, use a little pesticide, I don't care, you know, like, well, let's just do it together. Let's make honey. Let's have a farm stand at the bottom of the hill that people can come by and get loved on. Make a smoothie for them, hand it off. People start getting healed. Because you drank something green, yo. You know? The, the whole world, I love Chick-fil-A, but the whole world doesn't run on it. You need some vegetables. At least that's what my wife says. I like to have a coffee house on the hill. I like to have, have Michelle and her prayer ministry. I like them to be accessible for people to come get coffee and be prayed over and leave not with a caffeine rush, but a Holy Spirit one. Like actually going to their jobs from the presence of God. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to tell the world that we're not in competition with churches around us, that in fact we want to make churches around us stronger. So I'd like to have a wind conference every year where we're saying, hey God, like all, we're all going to gather together and we want you to blow on us and we want to team up with people. I went to get gas yesterday and I pulled up next to a, pa a Hanover pastor. And he was driving a cool car. And the very first thing he did was apologize seven times for the car that he was driving. He got, oh, don't judge me, don't judge me. I was like, dude, I wish you had a better one. I hope you make way more money than me. I, ho I, I genuinely hope you do. He said, oh, man, he said, thanks for that. I'm going on a sabbatical on Monday, and I'm, I'm preaching the last time and kind of fired up. I'm going on a sabbatical on Monday. I'm, I'm preaching. I'm pretty fired up. He goes, do you want to go out on my pontoon boat? And I'm like, you little... You're driving a cool car. You've got what kind of, do you have any openings? You know, like what are you doing? I love to go in your pontoon band. I'm just glad that you're blessed. You want to come to our win conference and get blown on? Okay. Let's just, let, let's just let the area know that we're for each other, not against each other. I could keep going and going and going. I'm skipping all kinds of stuff here because God's made me a dreamer. And to somehow grace me with the ability to hold on to them, even though they sound crazy. And I, wanna, I just want to implore you guys to say, to be who you naturally are, a creator, dreamer, with heavenly strategies to invade the dark places of this world and to not apologize for it. This is who God's made you to be back from the beginning. This is what he's restoring us to. He says, I'm entrusting my world to you. And I want, you to, I want you to make it gorgeous. And then he's given us everything that we need. The spirit, redemption through Christ, and family. So can I just pray this into us here? Can I, in fact, if uh, maybe, could you just stand your feet right now? Just kind of, like out of just reverence for God, his word, maybe what he's doing in your heart and your life. God, I've gone way over, but I'm going to be gone for six weeks, so I just did that. And so I just pray over these people. The last thing that I pray over them is I just pray for restoration to every place in their heart, every place that, they've, that the enemy hasn't, uh, has kept locked. I, I just pray that it would open. I pray, God, that you would fill them with such, such dreams again to make Jesus famous in our world. With the, with the vapor of the life that we have, God, I pray that our greatest dream wouldn't be how we die, but how we live for your glory, God. We bless you, praise you, we're yours sons and daughters. Pray for anybody, God, who's, who's just a Pharisee, just a religious person at best, that only knows trying and effort and striving, that the gospel is Jesus Christ alone. And I just pray for salvation to come to their house. I pray for faith to well up. They, they just trust Jesus right now. Right now, they just open their hearts to you and say, I just trust you. I receive what you've done at the cross. 
I, I believe in you. I give my whole life to you. Not only come in, but take all I am. So God, just, just pray for salvation in this house. Pray for encouragement and release to go into the world, uh, into the world just unleashed to operate in the great exploits that you've created us to do from the beginning. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys.